Halloween in May. Thalberg's Nacht. Double double toil and troll. <laughs> This is episode 23 of Travel Junkies, a podcast for travel enthusiasts. This week, we're talking about a special festival that I won't even try to pronounce. I'm going to let Carmen do it. Walpurgsnacht. <laughs> so what is it, Carmen? Walpurgsnacht. Walpurgsnacht. What she said. It's in April 30th, which just happened, and it's in German territories primarily or surrounding areas. My name is Carmen. And I'm Heidi. And we honestly did not know much about this festival. We've we've traveled overseas, we've lived overseas, but I've never heard of this festival until I was like, ah, that would be interesting to talk about. <laughs> it's it's like Halloween in May. So Walpurgis Night is the night of April 30th, like we say, and it is exactly six months before Halloween. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And so there's this long story behind it where um, St. Walburga, St. Walburga was <laughs> the niece of St. Boniface. And legend has it that she was a daughter of a Saxon prince named St. Richard. And together, her and her brothers traveled to somewhere in Germany. Where she became a nun and she lived in a convent. Aw. She died, and to this day, the Catholic calendar carries her name on this day. However, she wasn't even made a saint until May 1st. Interesting. So, she's on the calendar, and somehow this day became a pagan spring customs day. And so, it's it's kind of like... It's like Christmas. What's that soup that you put, like, everything in? You just take all your all the different things and you put it in and you make this, like, combined... Like hash? Melting pot. It's like a melting pot of holidays. I know. It's like... <laughs> really? What happened? Let's just... Yeah. So... Put it all together. Historically, the Walburgisk knot is derived from pagan spring customs where like in the spring you would celebrate with bonfires at night. And so back in the day, Viking fertility celebrations took place around that date of April 30th. And because she was named a saint around that time of year, her name became associated with these fertility celebrations where they like these bonfires which she's and so a nun now, and so so what and she's a nun so it doesn't make any sense to have fertility yeah. and then a virgin nun <laughs> she's a nun and so the vikings decided they were gonna honor her and celebrate her in spring and throughout these different areas of europe it's like mostly towards germany and some surrounding areas like sweden and um, a couple other places, but it's like that northern Europe. So the two of these days kind of got mixed together and created this celebration, which is very funny. A lot of this pagan tradition had a lot of witches, and and but what ironically it is, she was against them. So they are still kind of celebrated around these bonfires now. At different countries do different things, but they kind of just even though she was to be like a protector, 
And that's why you do the bonfires is so that you protect yourself against like bad spirits. And so it's just like a, like you were saying, it's just like a whole stew of things that just got put into one that don't, in my opinion, don't really make any sense, but people still celebrate this. Yeah. So in Dutch, it literally means witch's night. And it's believed to be the night of when witches meet on the Brocken Mountain, which is the highest peak of the Harz Mountains um, in Germany. And the funny thing is, it says Christians prayed to God through the intercession of St. Valberga in order to protect themselves from the witchcraft. So somehow her protection against witchcraft got mingled in with witches' night and... Like Carmen was saying, people, Christians, would light bonfires on that the eve of the day in order to ward off evil spirits and witches. Different countries do different things. Germany, for example, still has like a festival where people just gather together and do a huge bonfire. There's not really any significance per se. And a lot of the northern coastal regions of Germany still light the huge bonfires and it's just like coming of May. And then also they, uh, it kind of intertwines with the Easter fires that they end up having too. So I guess there's just, it's getting warmer. Everybody's excited to be outside and just be with other people. And so that kind of how it takes place. Um, now what's weird is that in the Southern part of Germany, <laughs> People will do pranks, and so they'll mess up their gardens, they'll hide things, they'll spray messages on other people's property, I guess graffiti, and then sometimes these pranks go too far and result in damage to property or bodily injury. So it kind of becomes like Halloween where you throw eggs at people's houses, but it's like more a prankster. It kind of ends up being just like an all-fun all type celebration. <laughs> So there's not really much to it. It's just like, oh, okay, this day happens. Spring is coming. Let's TP a house, you know. And uh, Sweden have a couple things. They they like to sing songs. Apparently around the 19th century, they spread a lot of songs for students to sing during spring festivities. So they apparently have like this huge amount of songs that they have, like this repertoire of songs that get sung. And then also just other things start to pop up and become part of the tradition. So not only do they have the songs, but then they also start having like a carnival parade, which is called the cortege. And that started happening in the 1900s. So it's just like new things start to pop up and they just kind of just add them together. And then an older tradition that hardly nobody does younger people would collect in Sweden, younger people would collect greens and branches from the woods at twilight. And then they would adorn the houses with that. So that's a little bit better than trying to damage property like they did in Germany. And then these children would get paid in eggs. So I guess that kind of leads into Easter where you get eggs from the Easter bunny. So it's just... Very intriguing. And then Finland has something Hippity very similar. Hoppity. What? Hippity hoppity Easter's on its way. <laughs> yeah. And then Finland during the Soviet Russia, Soviet Russia, 
They also had other traditions where they just started to incorporate like political activities, like especially with the, the May Day or Workers' Day. So, so they try to include more political mindset type things. And so you, May 1st, you, you celebrate it at a picnic in a park. And in this case, in Finland, you would go to Helsinki or somewhere local and you would just enjoy it with your friends and you would put out a blanket with good food and sparkling wine. And then you just have a great night and then just they just have lots of food. And so then it's just like becomes like an all day event. And they also wear student caps, mead and streamers and balloons. So then it just kind of goes all like there's like this list of things to add to the list for the celebration. But there's like nothing other than, I guess, the old tradition of like casting those things away. It's just it has become like a party that just happens. So it's just a day to hang out and I guess anticipate warm weather that you wouldn't have. But it's always taken a very weird and dark approach like especially in writing and literature. So I have a couple modern culture references that people may may have heard. So What's that? I know. So if you've ever read the play Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, there is a the second act is Walpersnacht. So that's that's the title of it. And then there is a Dracula 1931 The Romanian Peasant. He describes the night as Valper's night. And so I guess a very dark day. And then um, some other texts have like just have Valper's Nacht in there. So like the Magic Mountain from Thomas Mann's novel. Also, they say that Adolf Hitler committed suicide on Valper's Nacht. Now that could be a rumor, but... April 30th, May 1st, 1945. And then uh, some other novelists have used Walpersnacht for different parts of their novels. So Gustav Merink and also J.K. Rowling. So she admits that the Death Eaters, do you remember those? Are you a big Harry Potter person, Heidi? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, if anybody's... Recalls the Death Eaters. They were originally called the Knights of Valpurgis, a pun on Valpurgis Night. Some context there. This is like very random and selective, but now if you've ever heard of Val- Valpurgis Night, then you'll know oh, that's because of this nun lady that came from England to Germany and then died and became a saint and then somehow. She's related to bonfires and the coming of spring and protecting against witches and stuff. So it's a very interesting, weird mesh. Very pot, stew, stew mix. But, you know, there's other cool things about Germany, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, Walt Disney loved the place, that's for sure. It's true. A lot of his... Or the or the the castle that you have on the Disney logo, those are based on castles too in Germany. Exactly, castles. Out of all the countries in Europe, 
I think Germany probably has some of the most amazing castles. They are fabulous. With the most difficult names. There, they are. There's medieval castles. There's fairy tale castles. I mean, like really, some of these castles look like they're straight out of a out of a storybook or something. Story storybook. So yeah, yeah, and and the the one that really made it big that was a model of the Sleeping Beauty movie is the Neuschwanstein Castle in Füssen, Germany. So Füssen, Deutschland. So that's supposed to be Cinderella's castle. No, um, Sleeping Beauties. Like that was like the Sleep, model. You know, it does look like Sleeping Beauties. I know it's it's gorgeous. That's it has a white cool. tower, like the pointy, and then also it was kind of used for the logo. So he just loved it so much, and it does have a very timeless design. So that's why. It does. And what's what I found interesting are these castles are always at like the bottom of a huge cold mountain. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, what's the deal? Like, why is the castle always at the bottom of a snowy mountain? <laughs> and and the cool thing about these castles is the the reason why there was there were so many built in Germany, especially is because back Middle Ages, Germany had a very, they just had lots of places where people were being protected. And so these medieval castles, even though they look like ruins, now people lived in those. It was like a protection from the outside world. So it was, it was more of like a haven for a group of people rather than yeah. just like one person. So you would have a well, huge amount of people living there. These castles have like alleyways and everything. It's really interesting that you said that because the Berglitz Castle yeah. is one of the greatest fairy tale castles in the world. The current castle was built from 1490 to 1540. So it took 50 years for the current castle to be fully built. And the property has been owned by the same family for over 33 generations since 1157. Crazy. 33 generations have lived among this castle. And it, isn't that really cool? Yeah, and and I think it's neat too because each part of these pieces of land were leaders of states and territories so they kind of controlled the little areas and had like little governments rather than being under the government. <laughs> yeah, under a big blanket of, you know, power. So it's just really neat that Obviously, they're going to put on the top of the mountain so that you can look down, you can protect yourself and have a trading route, per se. So that's why you would be strategically located. But I think it's fascinating that you have these mansions ju that just built up and people were totally cool with it. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I'll live in a mansion or get hired and I'll stay there. So within the little state during the Middle, middle Ages... They're fascinating. And then, also, of course, you have the Liechtenstein Castle, which is in Liechtenstein. So, Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein. We are probably pronouncing all of these words wrong, but that's okay. You can look it up <laughs> on our show notes at nextthoughtchannel.com. So, what I like about this castle is it's attached to a bridge. It is cool. That is really neat. So it has a nice long bridge. It's the Count of Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Actually, I have a uh, 
old classmate from Chile. Her last name was Wilhelm. I'm wondering if she is related to the the person that lived there. That would be crazy. Maybe. So it's the Knights of the Liechtenstein. That but, is a pretty well, big like, stronghold. A lot of these castles have in common is that they are along the Rhine, which is a river. Good correct? trading route, everyone. Take your little boat. Yeah, it's a great trading route for merchants and salesmen. So you can always transport your, your goods through the water. And so, but I feel like that would make it a little bit more acceptable to pirates. Mm, good. Yeah, because Vikings were really good with water. So they could come in and just like swiftly kick out. Yeah. What I like I is Schwerreiner Castle in Schwerin. This one has water all all around it so it's like literally on an island so which it's like okay you're literally on an island how did you get all that stuff there i mean you, you they would hire all these little people no sorry regular people Why they, gotta be little? <laughs> they, they got shorter as they grew um so you have all these workers and they would just the th this one actually is more Slav tribes. So if you know anything about Eastern Europe, you have mostly Slavic heritage. So I'm a Slob. Just kidding, Slav. <laughs> it's with a V, not a B. Do not criticize my heritage, Slavic. So that's Eastern. We're very pale. Well, very pale. You know, if you guys like castles. You can visit all of these for a very small fee. It's really not that expensive to go visit them. I think one of these is maybe six six euros per adult. So, and 10 for a whole family. They are open during the week. A lot of them are open during the summer, but they close down during winter months. Whoa. So, before you travel to Germany in the winter... You should check out what you'll be able to visit because you don't want to miss these. These are really cool castles. And I think I was able to visit some castles in Paris. Yeah. And so they were beautiful. So I can only imagine that these these look like even bigger and the structure is very different. Lots of pointy tops that little flags fly off of. And Those are I think they'd be beautiful in person. <laughs> yeah. One, um, we'll have the link to all of the top 10 castles, but I'd like to highlight two more. One is the Berg Frankenstein Castle. That's right. It was the inspiration to Mary Shelley's book of Frankenstein. It was kind of like, this is where she wanted the, the monster of Frankenstein to come alive. And it looks pretty, you know, it looks pretty Whoa. dull. And, um, so Dipple... The, the alchemist who set up a lab in the castle and produced animal oils he would sell, which he marketed as the elixir of life. So most of the folklore on the book is about the life of Johann Conrad Dippel, and who was born in the castle. So he was an alchemist and he would sell like animal oils and things like that. So she was inspired by that, by history. And then obviously the Brothers Grimm kind of wrote like creepy fairy tales around that area too. And then World War II, I guess you'll figure all about this and the tour as well. But during World War II, American soldiers had a Halloween party in the castle 
And so now it's kind of like an annual event. So get your Frankenstein uh, costume out and go to Berg Frankenstein in Germany. And then another like cool one. Have, what? Like, I feel like they should have an ice cream truck outside of that selling little ice, like Frankenstein head ice cream. <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. Or it could be like, did you ever see Aranarok, Thor Aranarok? Mm-hmm. Where they had like. Ragnarok? Ragnarok, yes, that one. Um, where they had like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, um, the Hulk, Hulk's head everywhere. Yes, that, yes, exactly. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And then because a lot of these castles, like Heidi said, they're on the Rhine, there is a Nussbelbrunn water castle. And so it literally is in the water. And so it was a remote farmhouse in the 1100s before fortifications and a tower was added in 1427. So over the centuries, things have been improved and then a natural moat from the lake added ample protection. So they kind of just added that afterwards. So it's sort of kind of part of the design. And then 1958, the water Castle was used in the film The Sparrot, which was based on a fairy tale written by Wilhelm Hauf. They're very magical. I think this is why the Brothers Grimm's were very like influenced by all this. And then you have Walt Disney's just falling in love with it. And they're just gorgeous. Oh, fun fact. My neighbors. So like I mentioned, I grew up in South America. Half the people there or in my town were... German descent, at least, or related somehow. Well, our neighbors next door, they were, uh, they owned a company called Travel Art. You should check it out. You get to mountain bike and you can hike and you can climb and they have different package tours, but they mostly cater towards Germans. So unfortunately, most of the tours might be in German, but they also have English tours because they're trying to branch out. And that's cool. They got married in a castle in Germany. Like they left one summer, came back and they were like, we got married. And it was like, oh, that's cool. Where'd you get married? Oh, we got married in a castle, like no big deal. And I'm like, what? You got married in a castle? Like, that's amazing. Like they said they got to stay it. Amazing. I mean, I just think it's so cool. It's like this ginormous place. So they got to stay there, you know, the whole party and, and have like a great time, had the ceremony and then basically made a whole you know, vacation out of it. And so I just think it's so cool that you have these castles that are being rented out. So it's kind of like the Daunton Abbey of the medieval times, you know? Like you get to tour these fantastic, massive stone structures, you know, that happened back when. So I just think it's really fascinating that they are still standing because they were made out of stone, Hard stuff. Really hard stuff. It is very fascinating. So I think we should go to one of these, Heidi. Yes. We could see you know one. I think you guys should tag us on Instagram at Next Stop Channel when you go to Germany and you check out these castles and you let us know which one was your favorite. And if you go to Bush Gardens or something like in the United States and there's a castle at the, the these theme parks tag us there too. <laughs> Those are fun places as well. Just tag us. <laughs> we just want to be tagged, people. Just tag us. 
Well, let us know about your adventures and check us out on nextstopchannel.com. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook at Next Stop Channel. Castle, castle. Little castle.